God of surprises, delight us. Invite us to accept gifts that we haven't yet imagined. God of transformation, call us, opening us to continued renewal in you. God of justice, confront us, daring us to see the world through your eyes. God of abundance, affirm us, nudge us towards deeper trust in you. God of embrace, hold us, encircling us in your home. God of hopefulness, bless us, encouraging us with the fruits of faith. God of welcoming, invite us, draw us nearer to fullness in you. God, be present with us, awakening us to all things, people, and moments. God, be with us. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. The Sabbath day was now over. It was dawn on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a powerful earthquake. An angel of the Lord came down from heaven. The angel went to the tomb. He rolled back the stone and sat on it. His body shone like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he was lying. Go quickly. Tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried to the tomb, hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, but they were filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus, Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some still had their doubts. Jesus came to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. This is the word of God for the people of God. These past several weeks since Easter, we've been talking about how God always surprises us. We talked about how there was a surprise growing underneath the dirt of these pots we have all around the room. And as the seeds grew into plants, our anticipation grew with them. We wanted to know what they would be, 
Sometimes it was hard to wait, and both kids and lots of adults started to get impatient to find out what the surprise was. Guess what? Even though we might not have known what the seeds would be, God knew the whole time, and he was with them as they grew, just as he is with us as we grow. We might get impatient sometimes to know what kinds of seeds God has planted in our lives. We might also have questions for God as we grow, but God is with us the whole time. Now, I told y'all I would tell you what the plants were in a few weeks, and I know a lot of you helped me plant them, so you already know what they are, so don't say. But I think it might be time for everybody else to find out what's growing. So those of you who don't already know, look closely and see if you can figure out what this might be. I know Sarah over there, you probably don't know what they are, right? Lily and Charity. You know what they are. What does this look like? Can you see that? Green Good job. It's a green bean. Can y'all see that? Pretty amazing. <laughs> That's right, they're green bean plants. It's pretty amazing that these grew from little seeds in just five weeks, isn't it? I think it's amazing. That reminds me of our verse that we've been learning these past few weeks about how when we trust in Jesus, we also become new creations. If you know it, you can say it with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you make us into new creations and that the old falls away just like the outside of our bean seeds and turns into a brand new plant that continues to grow and produce fruit, Lord. We thank you that you are our source of life and our sustainer, and I pray that we would dig our roots deep into you and to all that you're teaching us. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. 
Now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the beginning, when the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, God said, let there be light. And surprise, there was light, and the light was good. The Lord appeared to Abraham one day as three men approached the entrance of his tent. And after visiting for a bit, they told Abraham, We will return to you one day, and your wife will have a baby. Sarah, overhearing the situation, laughed out loud, knowing all too well how old she was and what a complete impossibility that would be. But surprise, months later, she gave birth to Isaac, whose name means laughter. Pharaoh's daughter was bathing in the river one day when she saw a basket floating down, and she sent her servant to fetch it to see what might be inside. Surprise, inside the basket was a Hebrew baby boy, one of the babies her father had ordered to be killed. And that baby would grow up to deliver all of the Hebrew people from slavery. Moses and the Hebrew people got caught at a crossroads in the wilderness as they are leaving Egypt, with Pharaoh's army coming after them on one side and a body of water blocking them on the other. They thought that they were doomed. But Moses stretched out his hand and, surprise, God parted the waters of the sea, and they crossed safely to the other side. The Israelites were wandering through the wilderness with nothing to eat, and they began to doubt God. Why had God brought them all this way only to let them starve? They began to grumble and complain when, surprise, one morning the ground was covered with a flaky substance called manna, and in the evening there was quail, more than enough for everyone to eat and have plenty. I could go on and on with stories like this in our Bible, and that's precisely the point. Our scriptures continually remind us what John Claypool once said, that across the centuries, God has proved to be a strange combination of faithfulness and unpredictability. And God has been that way from the very beginning. God can always be depended upon, but never anticipated precisely. Again and again, surprise has proved to be God's other name. But today, on the last week of this worship series, I'd like for us to ask ourselves one final question. If we really believe in a God of faithfulness and unpredictability, then what does that mean for what you and I are being called to do next? How do we live our lives in response to a God who is always surprising? Tanya Luna calls herself a surpriseologist. Didn't know that was a word until this week. But she studies the science of surprise. She says that surprise is actually categorized as something unexpected or misexpected. It's anytime you were wrong and your brain tells you about it. 
And in an interview on NPR recently, she unpacked what happens when you and I experience a surprise in four steps, what she defines as freeze, find, shift, and share. So first, surprises cause us to physically freeze for about 1 25th of a second. Our brain gets the strong alert that hijacks everything else that is going on for the moment. And the alert tells us that there is something important going on, something unexpected, and we need to pay attention. And so for just a split second, we freeze. That leads to the second step that Luna calls find. After we've been caught off guard by the unexpected, we develop this extreme sense of curiosity within us. We have to find out what's going on and how it happened. Well, the next thing is that we begin to shift, she says. We experience a change in our emotions. In fact, surprises can change or intensify our emotions, for better or worse, by 400%. It's why when a sports team unexpectedly wins a game out of nowhere, the crowd will, compl- will experience a complete shift in emotions and go totally wild. Or if your sport team loses a game in the last minute, you will feel even more upset and discouraged than you might expect because our emotions shift that significantly in light of a surprise. That's why the Eggleston family and I were very discouraged the week of the Final Four championship. What a surprise. So surprises freeze us momentarily. They cause us to get curious, to find out what's going on. They shift our emotions. And then the last stage of surprise, according to Luna, is to share. When you and I have genuinely experienced a surprise, we feel a pull to share what has happened with others. We can't grab our phone fast enough to text or call or tweet or post on social media to say, y'all are never going to believe what just happened. Well, we actually see all four of these steps in today's text in the last chapter of Matthew's Gospel. The women are making their way to the tomb after Jesus has been buried And suddenly there's an earthquake. Surprise. An angel of the Lord descends from heaven, rolls back the stone in front of the tomb, and sits on it. Now you and I may have become so familiar with this story that we've lost the element of surprise here. But the reality is that this is one of the biggest surprises in all of Scripture. And sure enough, the women are so caught off guard that they freeze in fear. But the angel's words to them are, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, but he isn't here. He's risen. So next, they try to find out what happened as best as they are able. And per the angel's instructions, they observe an empty tomb with the stone rolled away in the spot where Jesus' body once lay. And they begin to piece everything together, but wonder how in the world it could possibly be true and yet they begin to believe that it is. Because their emotions suddenly shift as they run away from the tomb, verse 8 says, afraid yet filled with great joy. And suddenly they run off to share what has happened with the rest of the disciples. And there you have it. Evidence of freeze, find, shift, and share all within the first eight verses of Matthew 28. 
In his Easter homily last year, Pope Francis pointed out that in Scripture, people are always in a hurry in response to God's surprises. Like the shepherds who go with great haste to Bethlehem after seeing the angels in the fields that night. Or the Samaritan woman who met Jesus at the well runs to her community and says, I found the man who told me everything that I've done. Could he be the Messiah? And then there are the women in today's text who leave the tomb quickly, it says, and who run, not walk, to tell the disciples what has happened. The surprises of God get us moving right away without even expecting it, Pope Francis says. And perhaps that's what Jesus intends for the rest of the disciples to do in response to the resurrection. Because when he appears to them on the mountainside that day, he tells them to get going, not to be comfortable where they are for too long, and to go and to invite everyone, everywhere, to follow after the God who has been surprising them all since the very beginning. But do you and I do the same? So my mom's side of the family are called the maggards. Even as you drive into my mom and dad's farm, there's this metal sign that says Maggard Farm, and it will always stay there as a testimony to our family. And maggards are some of my very favorite people. Maggards are people who've never met a stranger. They're some of the most outgoing, friendly people you'll ever meet. They're kind, they're welcoming, and they're a lot of fun, actually. You can guarantee that at any Maggard family event, there will always be games like trivia or bingo or croquet. And not only that, but there will always be prizes. But there's also another trait that the Maggards tend to have in common, and unfortunately, I think I inherited it too. Maggards are never really in a hurry, which means that Maggards are almost always running late. If a Maggard family function is supposed to start at 12, you know that the friends and the in-laws will be there by 12. But the true Maggards won't start rolling in until about 12.30 with their side dishes and things to share, which means that we really won't start eating before 1 o'clock. It's just the unwritten rule. You know that's how the family functions. Well, my dad didn't know what to do with the Maggards when he started dating my mom. They are very unlike the bird whistles in just about every way possible. But my great uncle Fred, who had married into the Maggard family, gave my dad the best piece of advice that has proven to be true years and years later. He said, Mark, there is one thing you need to know if you are going to be part of this family, and that is this. You can't rush a Maggard. It's like pushing a rope. And so it's this great saying that my family uses all the time, and they love to use it with me when I'm running late. But I wonder if it could be said about all of us in light of the news of the resurrection. Because more often than not, it seems like we've lost the haste and vigor and excitement and hurry of those who first witnessed the surprise of the resurrection and couldn't wait to share it with others. Most days, is it like pushing a rope for us to even take one step forward in that direction? The professor Edward Schweizer once said it this way. He said, the life and death of a church depends on how much its members are willing to proclaim the gospel to the world. 
If people are satisfied merely with performing their functions and counseling religious people, if its members confess their faith as far as is socially acceptable, the church will grow more and more into a sterile institution that is far from the living church of the New Testament. Friends, I believe that what happens within these walls week after week, what we experience here at Calvary is good and life-giving and holy. Our gathering and our worshiping and our serving and our life together in this place is significant in big ways and in small, and I believe it matters in the kingdom of God. But if you and I are only interested in what happens within these walls and the people inside these walls, it will be the death of us. Because the life and death of this place depends on how much and to what extent we are willing to share the gospel and to live the gospel outside these walls. And the thing is, we never know exactly what that's going to look like or what directions God will take us next. Because following the God who always surprises means God is always going to be calling us forward in surprising ways which means God is always going to be calling us outside of where we are most comfortable or familiar, outside of where we feel most safe and secure. And sometimes to God, it might just feel like pushing a rope for us to even take that one step forward. But I hope that you and I will allow ourselves to be pushed nonetheless. Because I believe that when you and I are engaged together in this messy but transformative work of following God to surprising and unexpected places, it will change us. It will change our church, it will change our community, and it will change our world in a you and I do our part and trust God with the rest kind of way. That's exactly what happens to the disciples, isn't it? In Matthew's Gospel, the disciples are instructed to go to Galilee from the empty tomb and that Jesus will meet them there. But Galilee would not have been where they would have expected Jesus to go next because Galilee was in Gentile territory. And yet Jesus chooses for his very last interaction with the disciples to be outside the boundaries of the Jewish land that was most familiar to them. And in so doing, he's telling them that the focus of their mission moving forward must be on the outside world. Just when they were starting to figure out this whole resurrection thing, Jesus throws in another twist in the plans and surprises them again. But before Jesus leaves the disciples with the biggest assignment of their lives, he offers them one final word, almost like a P.S. at the end of the letter. He says, and remember this, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, it's true that God's ways can be completely unpredictable. There's not a roadmap for the way forward when we are following a God who always surprises. But the last word of the story is that no matter what, this unpredictable God will be with us always to the very end of the age. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better surprise than that. Frederick Buechner says it this way, those who believe in God 
can never in a way be sure of him again. And this means that we are never safe because there is no place where we can hide from God, no place where we are safe from God's power to break into and recreate the human heart because it is just where God seems most helpless that he is most strong and just where we least expect him that God comes most fully. And so, God, I ask today that you would surprise us and that we would be people who are open to your surprises all around us. That we would be people who are excited to take that next brave step forward in the ways that you are calling us, even when it's scary, even when it's unpredictable. God, that we would trust you, that we would walk with you, and not only that, that we would run with you out of excitement for the places that you are calling us. God, as we consider the ways that you might be calling us forward, remind us that you are always with us. No matter what we carried into this room with us today, no matter what we are leaving to do next, that you are the God who journeys with us always. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, maybe today you would like to surprise, to respond to that surprise of the very first Easter morning and the news of Jesus' resurrection. Maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary, where we seek to know and follow Jesus together and to serve Jesus together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary to visit with you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
Christ is risen. Since Easter, we have celebrated the resurrection in this space and the good news of the God who always surprises, even when we least expect it, even when resurrection is nowhere in sight, even when we think we know the rest of the story. Although the Easter season is coming to an end today, I hope you and I never get over Easter. I hope it always leaves us surprised and amazed and completely astonished. Today we open our hearts to the joy and to the wonder of infinite possibility, of unquenched hope, and of eternal resurrection. We celebrate and we raise our voices and our hearts in worship and thanksgiving to the God who lives. Resurrection happened because Christ was first prepared to die. Defying death, he refused to release his hold on life and love. And so now, as he encouraged us, we choose to remember his death so that we, too, can truly live. So now, Lord of life, we share in this meal together. We celebrate together, and we remember you. And we will continue to do this until the resurrection has flooded the whole creation. May this bread and this cup Remind us of your life-giving body and blood, and may we, may we, who share this meal, be joined with you and with one another as one body united in resurrection life. Amen. So today we come to the table to remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you come to eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, may we remember to always be open to the surprises of God. Because there's no mercy in God that sins in us. There's more joy in God than sadness in us. There's more hope in God than despair in us. And there is more light in God than darkness in us. Friends, you are invited to come to the table.
as we're leaving today, a few things to remember. Um, first is that Audrey Doolittle's father, James Doolittle, passed away last weekend in Missouri, um, and his memorial service will be this coming Saturday in Missouri. So we want to remember Audrey and Jamie and their family in the coming weeks. We have lots to do to get ready for Children's Bible Club. It really does take the whole church engaged, and I hope that everyone will pick a piece of the puzzle to be a part of. We have a work day today from 2 to 5. If you want to be part of making our chapel into a big jungle, it looks like, I think that will be pretty fun. Sunday school classes are collecting funds to help with our take-home bags of food that go home every night. We have a volunteer training on Wednesday night at 6. And then next Sunday after worship, we ask that if you'd be willing to bring some walking shoes, we'll be walking around our neighborhood and around the villages to hand out flyers and to invite people to join us next week. Also next Sunday is our mission team meeting for anyone going to South Texas this summer. So I hope you'll see Allie or Evan if you're interested in that. Um, kids, remember to take your plants home with you today. Miss Jenny has been faithfully watering them for six weeks now, and now it's your turn to get to water them and grow some green beans at home. So we hope you'll take those with you. Um, Kendall Ellis, Kendall, raise your hand. Kendall is getting married this week in Kentucky. Yeah, we're excited about that. Um, and I'll be traveling to Kentucky to officiate the wedding, so I'm looking forward to that too. But I hope you'll give Kendall a word of encouragement as she prepares for this next chapter. And then lastly, as is our tradition, we will be receiving the Samaritans Fund today. And that goes toward emergent needs in our congregation and in our community. It's used often and well, and thank you for giving generously to that. Well, please join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Amen. <laughs>